All right, let's take your Bibles tonight. Turn to Philippians chapter number one. Good to have guests here with us this evening. I hope and trust and pray the message will be an encouragement and a help to you. Philippians chapter number one is where we are in our series. By the way, uh, this past Sunday night, I want to thank God for a good number of guests we had here, families that were here for the Vacation Bible School uh, program. I believe we had 26 families total. And so that's a real blessing. We made a couple visits last night related to that. And so pray for the follow-up effort. And uh, some maybe came that that was the first time to be in church in a while, maybe even forever, you know, and to hear the gospel. So that was a, a blessing to have that many here. All right. So Philippians chapter 1. And uh, let's begin reading verse number 20. Our text is going to begin in verse number 22 through 26. And uh, we're in a series here. This is Sermon 5, Countered by Joy, the Trials of Life, the Stress of Life. When you know Christ, they are countered by joy. Okay, so let's look at it now as Paul is writing to this church he loved very dearly in the faith. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. If you're looking for a real good uh, life verse, consider verse 21. You say, well, I would imagine a lot of people use that verse. It's all right. Go ahead. You can use it too. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, if we could just live out that one verse, if we could understand it and, and really live it out, I'm telling you that that would result in a lot of spiritual fruit in our lives. So for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22 <clears throat> But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I, I wot not. I, I know not. For I am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. And notice this, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. Notice that for your furtherance and joy of faith. That, verse 26 that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul says, I'm, I'm in a dilemma. Anybody ever been in a dilemma? You got two really good choices, okay? Two very good choices. <clears throat> and he says, I, I think he's got a preference. Can you, can you detect which it would be? Uh, I want to see his face. It'd be far better. But for me to stay here is more needful for you. 
So tonight the message is this, one passion, two desires. One passion, two desires, the makings of a fruitful Christian life. The makings, I believe what Paul's onto here, if we could grasp it, would be that which would help us to have a fruitful Christian life. Now, if you're thinking right here tonight, I know maybe you had a long day. How many of you had a long day at work and you're tired? Okay. I think, uh, God bless all those hands. I see your hands. <laughs> uh, maybe you had a long day, but I, I would imagine you're here tonight because deep down you want to have a fruitful Christian life. I believe Paul's going to help us here tonight. The Word of God's going to help us for sure to see what does it take? What are the makings of a fruitful Christian life? One passion two desires. One passion, two desires. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Then we're going to get right to it here this evening. You know, the, uh, the believer, as believers, uh, we have a very unique view of life and death. You know, here's Paul talking about, I want to die, but I want to stay. <laughs> um, that's very unique. It's very unique. Just attended the funeral yesterday um, for Miss Jean McBee. Many of you knew Miss Jean McBee. And uh, she, I believe, lived, and I think I saw evidence, and those that were there yesterday, I believe you saw evidence of a fruitful Christian life for many, many years. You know, for many years. Um, there were, I don't know, Brother Yeager preached the message that uh, Brother Yeager, who just sang here, uh, preached the message, and by the way, did a fantastic job, Brother Yeager. I mean, just making the gospel clear and preaching it gun barrel straight and anticipating um, people maybe that were atheistic or agnostic and just, I mean, just got the gospel out. You would have been thankful. I, it, was, it was awesome. It was just great. Well, there's a lot of people there, I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, 150, 200 people there is quite a few, you know, and, and Miss Jean was up in age. And, you know, a lot of times that's not always the case, but it, it, it testified to the fact that she had an impact in her life. She did. There's all kinds of age groups there. There were some college uh, young people that came in just for her funeral that were here as Heartland students, and she had an impact on their life, and they wanted to be here for it. It's awesome. She volunteered over... Um, 7,000 or 8,000 hours, I can't remember which, 8,000 8, hours at Southwest uh, um, Integris Hospital, uh, just being there as a receptionist. And, and, and there was about 10 to 12 of those individuals there, you know, in, in their uh, volunteer uniform. I mean, it was touching. It really was. Let alone all the church members that were there and all the family members and people that had come out of town. I, I'm, I'm just saying, and I could say that about a lot of people's lives that have gone to be with the Lord that are, were members here, and, but that's just the most recent. And, um, and, and Brother Yeager made me a little nervous. He, he opened it up to testimonies. I'm sure that's what the family desired. I thought, oh man, this is either going to go real good or it's not. Have you ever been in some of those? It makes me nervous, you know, but three members of Southwest stood up real quick. And man, that, that was a blessing. Brother George Mason said, we met Miss McBee back in 1962 and he led the singing at Independence Avenue Baptist Church and Miss Carol played the piano, I believe it was. Miss McBee played the organ, if I've got that, that straight. And um, he said, you know, I've known her a long time and she's in heaven now and someday I'm going to go see her and it may be soon. And he said it with a smile. 
And then Brother Bill Smith stood up and gave testimony that he had known her through the ambassador Sunday school class and that there hadn't been a time when he knew one hair to be out of place. And if you knew Miss Jean McBee, I mean, whether you visited her at home or in the hospital, she looked like she was ready to go to church every time. And Miss Carla Bellisle said, you know, I didn't know her a long time. I didn't know her as well as others. But she said this, I look forward to getting to know her in heaven. I'm just sitting there thinking, listen to what's going on here. Here's believers. I don't know who else were there. I, I uh, you know, kind of looked around as people raised their hand about whether they were saved or not. And, and a lot of them didn't raise their hand. Brother Yeager acknowledged that. But here's, here's some believers testifying. This lady had a walk with God. This lady knew the Lord is her Savior. We know where this lady is and we're going to go see her again someday. I'm telling you, that's faith. That's biblical joy and faith. And it wasn't, I mean, there was joy there. There was, there was uh, uh, you know, some appropriate laughter. I mean, it was, it was just, it was encouraging. There was, there was a Christian life that was fruitful. Do you want a Christian life that's fruitful? You want a, a fruitful Christian life? As a young person, do you want a fruitful Christian life? Uh, do you want to uh, really in, enjoy, you know, church and the things of God and and uh, there's missionaries here tonight and preachers and teachers and bus workers and others involved in Christian service, just trying to serve the Lord. Do you want to be fruitful? I don't know any Christian in the right mind that say, no, I don't care a thing about that. No, really, we do want to be fruitful. We just need to know how. And Paul is helping us here to understand what does it look like to have a fruitful Christian life. And what we're, what we're going to simply do is look at what was his one driving passion. And then he had two desires that were really in conflict with one another. And yet what it resulted in with one passion, two desires, it resulted in a fruitful Christian life. Okay, and that can be the same in our life as well. And we picked up a little bit of that from verse number 20. He says, listen, I, whether I live or whether I die, and, and if, if Nero takes my life by execution, if I die, in, which eventually he will, if I die by Roman execution, I want my life to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, magnify to make much of him. And, and I love the quote that Warren Wiersbe said, stars are much bigger than a telescope, and yet the telescope magnifies them and brings them closer. Hey, look, Christ is so much bigger than you and I are, than we are. He's so much greater. He's so much bigger than we are. And yet he's chosen to use us to magnify him. What an honor. What, a, what an honor and what a responsibility to make sure that your life is magnifying uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, my, according to my hope and ex expectation and hope that, that Christ shall be magnified. See, it wasn't, it wasn't Paul saying, I'm going to magnify Christ. I didn't mention this last week, but it's very important to mention, this is in the passive voice, which means this, Christ shall be magnified through me. In other words, it's God that's going to magnify Christ through me. I'm not going to do this in my own power. Hey, hey, Christian, we need to remember that, that look, it's not us deciding what we're going to do, but allowing God to do that through us. Christ shall be magnified. His focus was very clearly on Christ. I mean, he could have very easily gotten focus on his hurts and disappointments. You following me? I mean, there's a lot of hurts that Paul had. Hey, look, there were, there were a lot of people that had disappointed Paul. Paul did not get hung up there. If in your Christian life you get hung up on, well, he or she disappointed me here or there, or this happened or that happened, I'm telling you, you're not going to have a fruitful Christian life. But if you say, you know, for, to me, to live is Christ, regardless of the past, 
If you are saying, man, my present situation is so distressing, and it may very well be, but I think we're reading from the words of a man who had a distressing situation, and yet his focus was still on Christ, right? For to me to live is Christ, he says, so his past, his present, and even his future. I mean, he didn't know exactly how things were going to go, but here's what he said. I'm living for Christ. He's my focus. He's my passion. Be safe to say Christ was everything to Paul. It was everything to Paul. He became, I mean, his whole life was wrapped up in fellowshipping with Christ, witnessing for Christ, going to see Christ. I mean, everything about his life was about Christ. He became his singular, one man said, pursuit. Christ, crucified, exalted Lord, present by the Spirit, coming King, Christ. The one who, as God emptied himself and as a man humbled himself to death on the cross, whom God hath given the name above all names, Christ. Christ, the one for whom Paul was gladly, had gladly suffered the loss of all things in order to gain him and know him by his resurrection power and to participate in his sufferings. Christ, Christ, the name that sums up for Paul the whole range of the new relationship with God, uh, his personal devotion, his commitment, his service, the gospel, the ministry, uh, fellowship and inspiration. I'm telling you, everything. I mean, his whole life was focused on Christ. And to die, gain. Well, how is it gain? Well, you get to see the one that you've lived for. Now, before we move on, I, I'd like to read a quote here that is really applicable, I think, to all of us. And I want to take time just to labor on it here for just a moment. For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. Listen to this. Their problem, the, the Philippians problem and ours, this individual says, Gordon Fee says this, is the strong tendency to speak thus, for to me to live is Christ. Our tendency is to speak thus, but in fact, in effect, I'm sorry, in effect, to live otherwise. Everybody listen to this. I think we need to hear it now. We can give it lip service. Oh, for to me to live is Christ. We can say that and yet really our lives, let's just be, be honest here tonight, it's easy for our lives really to say otherwise. Uh, listen to what else he says. One wonders what the people of God might truly be in our postmodern world if we were once again people of this singular passion. Too often for us, it is this. For to me to live is Christ plus work. For to me to live is Christ plus leisure. For to me to live is Christ plus accumulating wealth. For to me to live is Christ plus relationships. And then he's honest when he goes on to say this. Now, hang on, wait a minute. I know this has potential for conviction for all of us. Am I telling the truth here? Um, it is easy to say, for to me to live is Christ plus, I'd really like to have this or things to go this way. 
And then he goes on to say this, and if the truth were known, all too often the plus factor has become our primary passion. My, my, my. Am I the only one feeling guilty here tonight? The plus factor can become our primary passion. For to me to live is my work, etc. But both our progress and joy regarding the gospel are all together, they're contingent on whether or not Christ is our primary singular passion. Your progress, your growth, your development in the Christian life, and even your joy depends on whether or not Christ is in reality your singular passion or not. It's a legitimate statement for all of us to think about and not just to give lip service to, but to really stop and pause and think, is Christ really the central focus of my life? Would you stop and think about that just, just a moment? Is he the central focus of my life? How many of you would agree that there are so many other things that tend to distract me from Christ, right? So many other things that can distract you from the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, everything from work to friends to relationships and all those things have a place. And, and once Christ is in the center, all those other things can have a place. But he's got to be the center. I was sharing last week, somebody stopped by after the uh, service and I was sharing with them. Uh, our, my neighbor, uh, Marv, who's with the Lord now, but passed away. But, but anyways, he gave me this puzzle. I've shared this before, but he gave me a puzzle that is one of those where you have to match all the numbers up. You know what I'm talking about? So you have to go like one to one, three to three, four, five to five. It's in different orders. But here's the deal on the puzzle, okay? You have to get the centerpiece right. Because if you don't get the centerpiece right with all the other pieces of the puzzle, it won't work. You can get real excited, which I did and getting almost all the way around and thinking, I found it, only to get to the very last one and all the numbers to match up except for two of them. Ah! I'm telling you, it's not gonna work until you get the one piece right. Hey, there's only one person who deserves to be the central focus of all of our lives. And until we make Christ the very central focus of your life, everything else might start to kind of line up, but there's going to be a point where something's off. It could be your work is off or your finances are off or your relationships are off or your friendship is off or something's a little off. I'll tell you what, do just get back to Christ being your central passion and then everything else will find its place around him. But if you, until you make Christ the central focus, something's going to be awry. It's just the way life is. And so Paul understood that. And, and so he made Christ the central passion, the central focus of his life. And, and then once Christ, watch this, as Christ was the central focus of his life, then he had two desires. One desire was more dominant really than the other desire. It was this, I want to go and be with him. I want to go and see him. He'd served him all of his life. Now, I think that that passion, that that desire uh, can can kind of change over time. Okay, watch this. When you're, when you're older, I mean, I've heard Miss Jean McBee say as much, I'm ready to go home to be with the Lord. You know, once, I, once you get to a certain age and you've experienced a lot of life, you, you may even be in that, in that situation where you're saying, you know, 
I'm, I'm so much looking forward to him coming again. Now, and, and I'm looking forward to going to him. Now, as a young person, it's somewhere on your mind. <laughs> but dying is probably not at the top of your list. Am I right? And for, for young, uh, young adults, for many of you here tonight, you may be saying this, I really do want to go and see him. I do. I do. Anybody else? I'm, I'm not saying we're all going to go tonight. I'm just simply saying, um, do you, you want to go and see him? Maybe you're saying, I do. I really do want to go to see him. But, but I still feel like I've got stuff to do here. That's where I am. I don't know where you are, but that's where I am. I, I really do. I, I want to see uh, my loved ones again. I want to see some of the ones that have passed on from here. I look forward to that. I mean, come on, just the splendor of heaven and being free from this old world and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why Paul said this is far better. In fact, when I looked up the words far better, it was, it was two, it was an adjective and an adverb. It is much more better. Literally, it was much more good. Gooder and gooder. You got it? It's like really good. It's so much better to be with him. That's what Paul said. I'm in a straight. I, I have this desire. I, I'm hemmed in between two decisions. I really want to go be with him, but I also want to stay here to be with you. One passion, two desires. Just uh, moments ago, I, uh, this, I was on my way out and I'm walking uh, north down the hallway. I had a little extra time, so I was going to come in from the back and try to fellowship a little bit. And, and so I'm going north and uh, Brother Andrew Albert and Jay were going out the door and, and I had asked him, hey, how are you doing? And, and he was in the process of answering me, but Miss uh, Lynette Evans uh, mentioned that somebody had dropped something off, uh, some, some um, garden items. Uh, some vegetables. And so I was, I was in a strait betwixt two. Concerned about Brother Andrew, but also highly interested in whatever green beans or tomatoes or whatever it is that's in that bag. Are you following me? I'm in a strait betwixt two. And this is far better. So I chose to go this way and I still don't know how Brother Andrew's doing. But anyways, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I, I've got two very good, two very good desires here. And I, I want to go and be with Christ because he's my passion. But at the same time, I don't believe God is done with me yet here. And so I want to come back to Philippi and be with you to see how you're doing and to help you grow. One passion two desires. One passion, two desires. He says this, if I live in the flesh, which obviously is not talking about the flesh like sinful flesh, but if I live in the flesh, if I keep living, if I just keep living, this is, look at it in verse number 22, this is the fruit of my labor. Everybody see that? Am I right? This is the fruit of my labor. In other words, if I stay here, it's because there's more work for me to do in the harvest field. Okay, watch this. You're still here. I'm still here. Now we may not be all here, but we're here in body, in flesh. Okay, maybe your mind's somewhere else, but it's getting here. All right, it's, it's get, hopefully get here in a hurry. All right, but you're here. So that means this. 
Christ is not done with you here yet. And he's got a place for you in the harvest field. You see, some of you, maybe in your mind, you say, yeah, but my past. Well, okay, if you, if you want to go there, how about Paul's past? Murderer. So your past doesn't keep you from serving Christ today. And, and, he, and he says this, um, this is the fruit of my labor. And, and evidently labor means this, it's going to be work. It's going to be work. And, and to serve the Lord, watch this, to see people saved, that's work. To see them get in church where they hadn't been in church, that's work. That, uh, that's going to take some teaching. When, when they're used to sleeping in on Sunday morning, like you want to. <laughs> Got an honest soul there. Hey, like we all want to, and yet you know you ought to be in church. But here's somebody that hasn't grown up in church, perhaps, or they hadn't been in church in a long time. For them to get in church, I mean, like, and really get plugged in, you know what you're going to have to do? Visit them. Call them, text them, befriend them. And when they walk through the door, when they walk through these doors, then they need to be greeted by people that are really friendly because part of them doesn't even want to be here anyways. But if, if we will have that one passion in Christ and, and we want to be with him, but, but I'm in, the, I'm in this, this straight betwixt two things. I really want to spend time with him. I really want to be with him because there's nothing like being in his presence. I mean, you think about it. I mean, as much as I love when I'm, when I'm gone, I'll call my wife or text my wife or, or FaceTime. I mean, thank God for modern technology and all the above that allows us to have some kind of communication. But how many of you would agree tonight? There's nothing like being with somebody. And that's what Paul is saying. He's, he's saying, I can have this communication with Christ by prayer and by the word, but there's nothing like going to be there. And I want to be there. But for me to stay here in the flesh means there's still a work that I need to do. And, and listen, I believe what God wants to do in Southwest Baptist Church is to stir us up to remember, hey, to reach people takes a lot of work. So that means we need to have Christ as our one passion and want to have time with him. But at the same time, to, to, to take and to do whatever it takes to get engaged in the spiritual harvest of souls by going by their house, having them over to your house, making phone calls, making text messages, shaking somebody's hand at church that you don't know. I'm telling you, that is work. But it's fruitful. It's fruitful. And to abide here, Paul said, is more needful for you. And he mentioned two areas. Watch this, for your furtherance and your joy. Did you see that? For your furtherance. Now it's interesting, the word furtherance is the same word they used back in verse number 12 of chapter one, the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is saying, if you're gonna grow spiritually, he's not the only one that could do this, but certainly God was using Paul still at the time. And he's saying, I need to be with you and I want to be with you so that you grow spiritually and so that you have joy. Yep. So when you're around others, does it bring spiritual growth to their life and joy to their life because you're involved in their life? And not only that, verse number 26, he says that, that my, basically my release might result in Christ being glorified by your, in, in abundance, he says, that you may uh, 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 help me out, brother. Brother Gail, you got your Bible? 
That's good. I'm glad you do. That's excellent. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for my coming again to you. My, your rejoicing may be more, uh, more abundant. In other words, he's saying this, that you might just boast and rejoice in what God did to get me out of this Roman prison and bring me here to you. In other words, he's saying this, Christ will be glorified. You'll grow and Christ will be glorified. Yep. One passion, two desires. The makings of a fruitful Christian life is what? A desire to be with Christ. And on the other hand, a desire to be in Christian service to others. A desire to be with Christ on one hand. Because there's nothing better than to be with Christ. Some of you not married, you say, you know, I, I want the Lord to come, but... I'd like to get married first. I understand that. I, I want to go to heaven, but I still feel like he's got something for me here to do. Evidently he does. We're all here. Now, tomorrow, any one of us could be immediately in God's presence. By the way, Paul said, I want to go and be with Christ consciously with Christ. No soul sleep. Not like his, he's just sleeping. No, he's in Christ's presence immediately. Don't, don't believe the false doctrine that says that there's some kind of intermediate state for a person after they die. There's no purgatory. There's no soul sleep. There's heaven or hell. And, and when you as a believer die, you are immediately in Christ's presence. If you are an unbeliever today and you've rejected Christ or you're not, you've not received him, then you'd be immediately in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. And thank God today that if you don't know him as your Savior, you can be saved tonight and know that if you die tomorrow, you're immediately in his presence. That's what the Bible teaches. But until then, we are supposed to be fruitful in our Christian service. By cultivating that desire to be with Christ, and at the same time, that desire to be involved in Christian service for the growth of others and for their joy and that Christ might be glorified. So basically it boils down to that. Our Christian lives are supposed to be about other people's growth and, and God being glorified. So if your life is not experiencing or you're not a fruitful Christian, what should you do? What should you do? I'd start with the first one. How's your relationship with Christ? Is this making sense? If, I, if you're not a fruitful Christian, Paul's, Paul's basically saying this, the longer I live, more people are going to be impacted because I'm going to, I'm going to share Christ with them. Why should you keep living? I mean, I hope you do, in case you're wondering. I mean, that kind of came across maybe wrong. Why should God let you keep living on this earth? I mean, really, that's a good question for all of us. Why are we here? Why are we still here? To have fruit. Christian fruit in your own life? Absolutely. But that can be very self-centered. 
Um, I wonder if more Christians really got focused on Christ and really got focused on others. I wonder if there's a breakdown somewhere right there. I wonder if there's, I wonder if Christianity, okay, wait a minute, that's too, too generic. I wonder if there's Christians right here at Southwest Baptist Church that your, your Christianity has become too much about you and not, not about Christ and about others. And I wonder if you'd be willing to work a bus route. And I wonder if you'd be willing to get your CDL to drive a bus. Why? Because there's a lot of fruit out there that's dying on the vine. I said, there's a lot of fruit out there that's dying on the vine. There's a lot of fruit out there that's dying while you sleep in on a Saturday. I wonder if your life could be more fruitful if you got engaged and involved in the work. And, and, and don't start there. That's the second level. Start with Christ first. Make him your passion. Make him your desire. And then you'll desire to serve others because you realize my life's not about me. I wonder if you'd be willing to teach a Sunday school class. We're going to have a need here coming up. Uh, we've got all the teacher spots uh, covered, but I, I'm telling you, we have a lot of slots where we need workers, people to be in there alongside to help. Um, we'll have one coming up in the near future about a five-year-old boys teacher. You say, well, it's just a five-year-old boys teacher. Hey, I'm telling you, it's a five-year-old boys teacher. Do you realize when they begin to learn, many of them, if they're not getting it home, the one time in the week when they get it is right here? How vital is that? I'd say for a, for a whole nation, that's pretty vital that a kid would grow up knowing God loves me and there's a God who created him. I wonder if you'd be willing to work in a, in a five-year-old department. I wonder if you'd be able to and help out in knocking doors or, or in, um, in just being a friend to the lonely. There's a lot of people in this church that are lonely and they need you to go and be a friend of them. Uh, who's lonely? I'm, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but there'd be people here that say, yeah, I'm lonely. And, and, and when people come, my heart's desire is that as they come and they're an adult or they're a teen or a child, that somebody befriends them. And, and we do, you do a good job at that. I, I know we make the effort. But I wonder if there could be more fruit if we just get our mind off of ourselves and get our minds on Christ and get our minds on serving others and have that mentality that Paul said, had that when he said, you know, I really want to go and be with Christ, but right now he wants me to be with you. Somebody needs your presence. In fact, I started at church and I meant to start at home. Somebody in your home needs your presence right there. Uh, the husband-wife relationship is a great avenue for discipleship. And, and encouraging one another to furtherance into joy. Start right there. Your, your kids, your wife, your husband, they need you to be there, present. You say, I have a desire to be with Christ. It's far better. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like you're checking out. <laughs> you're waiting for the helicopter to come and pick you up in the war zone. Right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Hey, um, your spouse needs you. Your kids need you. Paul's saying, I know you need me right now. He, he, that's not self-serving. He's just simply saying, um, God's got me in your life for a reason. God has you in your home for a reason. Your siblings need you. To be with Christ is far better. I mean, I, that application is fitting everything, right? But what is more needful? 
Paul said, this is more needful. I mean, if I had my preference, I mean, this is in many ways not very difficult. I mean, the choice between chocolate and, and peanut butter cup ice cream, that's a tough choice, all right? But to go and be with Christ or stay here in this old sin curse world, oh, that's a no brainer. Are you following me? But which is more needful? which is more needful. You're needed here. Yeah, I, I, I want to exhort everybody here to see that, hey, you, you have a place here at Southwest Baptist Church. There's a place for you to serve. It's, it's, you say, well, all the bases are covered. I'm telling you, it's not. And you're needed. Your ministry is needed. Your ministry in somebody else's life. For a new believer, there's new believers here that desperately need discipleship. Somebody that'll help them. There are couples that are struggling that need another couple to come alongside and kind of help them. There are people that are struggling with parenting. Any parents, your kids are out of the home, you remember what it was like? They need you to tell them, you're going to make it. <laughs> There's hope. To be with Christ is far better. We get that. But now they need you. Okay. Some of you have teenage kids and, and, and some of you had teenage kids. Well, those that have teenage kids, they need you. Ministry to help them grow through this and to help them have joy. You can have, you can have young people in your home and have joy at the same time. Yes. If we go back to verse 21, to live as Christ, to live as Christ, passion, two desires, fruit. I'm telling you it still works, doesn't it? The problem is we just get our attention on all kinds of other things. And he's not our central focus anymore. And thus he's not in the center of the puzzle and the puzzle's just not working. So what should we do? Get him back in the center. And then everything else begins to line up. Whether it's a home, a school, or a church, or even a nation. Still work. Get Christ back where he belongs. Father, uh, tonight, I want to thank you for these verses. Um, they speak of our need for Christian growth and maturity. They speak of the source of Christian joy and of fruit, salvation of sinners, edification of saints, establishment of churches, all that was part of Paul's life because of his focus on you. And God, I pray that you'd help us as Southwest Baptist Church not to be apathetic or lethargic, but to God get our focus back on you as the central focus of our lives. I thank you, God, that you in compassion and love, you come to us even when our focus is off and you help us. Dear God, I pray for those that are in that situation. They're making some big decisions. I've got some... Uh, members of the church in my heart here tonight that are making some big decisions. I pray they wouldn't make a decision without you being the very center of their life and pray that you'd help them, Lord, to get their focus on you. Dear God, uh, in the time that you allow us to be here on this earth, we acknowledge that the ministry is needful and that we can't do it on our own or in our own power. So I pray that you'd help us to get this right here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, page 258, very appropriately. Turn your eyes.
upon Jesus. This invitation song was already chosen before we even began the service, but I believe God ordained it for us here tonight. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. As Brother Aaron leads us, would you come on this very first verse?